leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity Leadership Edition. Today we have Deidre, who comes from CyberSN, which is an amazing recruiting platform. And I've been following it since their inception, and it's I'm finding outcome having her on as a guest. So let me have her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her background and how she got to where she is. Chris, thanks for the welcome. My name is really hard, so I know a lot of people will want me to correct you and say danger you I'll get all these texts and things. So I know it's, I didn't even, I should have told you. Anyhow, it's good to be with you. I love what you're doing for the community. We need what you're doing for the community because of how broken this job searching system is. And while I've got the solution, we're not at scale yet. So we got to work together, everybody helping each other. So that's who I am. I'm the founder and CEO of CyberSN. And We've solved job matching and we're working at scale and I'm here to support the work you're doing. Let's talk about the job matching and how you get there or what you can share. Because I think oftentimes coming into recruiting, as I spoke recently with Jerry, is employers don't know what they need. And then because they don't know what they need, they can't really say what they want on the job descriptions. And then candidates on the other end are going, what do you want so I can really tell you about myself in the right yeah. way? Yeah, yeah. It's a communication problem, right? And ultimately, that's what we're solving is making sure that if two humans are going to speak to each other about a job, one's an employer and one's a professional, then that first conversation should not be about identifying whether the professional is qualified and interested because those are the two things that have to be there to make that time valuable. And time is what we're all struggling to have and boy, at a big level of burnout. So it's really going to start there that what does it take to match qualified and interested such that two humans don't have to speak? And that's really what we're doing. <laughs> and the reason I was able to see this solution and make the vision come true is that I'm in my 50s now. I got in this game before the technological era, so the fax machine era. Maybe it could be considered the technical era, but it was the fax machine era. And you're not just the fax machine era, but the role of the fax machine era. So 
When somebody applied to a job, that meant they were looking at the newspaper that was only run on Sunday, not all day, 24-7, and only for a certain location. And those job postings cost $5,000 because I know I was paying for them. I was running a staffing agency very young, and I was very lucky to meet some really neat people and get into the business. And that job posting made sense because of how expensive it was. That's 5000 now like 15000 And when professionals applied to a job, they could see all the information that they needed to see to know if they were qualified and interested because back then money was posted. Like vocation was already posted. And you knew what the job was because they were putting a job description, not the persona of a human they think they want to hire, like today's job description. So what we've got is my IP of being in the paper days, as I call them, and boy, were they glorious. And I missed them dearly. And this whole time that went on, I left the staffing agency through the staffing business through the technical era myself, the digital era, excuse me, myself for 10 years and built Rapid7 as the first VP of sales. That's how I met the wonderful community of cyber professionals that I love so much. You know, when I came back, I saw that I couldn't make a match. I used to make matches in days and we were always on. We never had a person go on an interview and it not be a fit. And I was like, what the hell is going on? What are we doing? Like, what? This guy says the security engineer and this person says this is a security engineer. And I went, oh my God. And that person's saying a different thing for a security engineer. I was like, how the hell are we going to make any money? My ego's on the line, founding my own firm. It was like, my brain was like, oh, I need that a taxonomy. Like I had when I did software placements and IT placements of the digital era made all that so complicated. It's not five questions. It's now 55 questions to be able to figure out. That's the long story, Chris, of what the platform's doing and how I was able to see what's needed. And uh, and uh, certainly couldn't do it alone. I have amazing cyber professionals, sales professionals that have really helped me take this to where we're at. So let's shift the conversation. You've you figured out how to do the matches, but let's think leaders really need in order to be successful. Because this variant of breaking into cybersecurity is focused on leaders. And we want to grow more leaders because... Oftentimes we, we have those that are just very technical and they get promoted into leadership, but they might not be ready for it. What did you feel was needed when you became a cybersecurity leader versus just staying an individual contributor? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And let me just clarify, I've solved it. We're not at scale yet. So it's still a breaking crappy system that everybody has to deal with. And I've got lots of videos to help you. So check them out, everybody, because it's a system. For myself, and certainly what's most important is really how we all work together. And I like to talk about, I call it emotional intelligence skills. And back in the 90s, when I came out of college and found those guys I worked for 21 years across all those companies, Rapid7 being one of them, they were big on that and they trained us. And we called that sales. We called it sales training. Isn't that crazy? And then everybody started hating sales people. I'm like, wait a minute, we, what? we're like the integrity people. I was in meeting after meeting about integrity and honesty and how to do that and still print money. That's what I was literally being talked about in my 20s. And that's what we did. And we did great business. 
But anyhow, it was all about that, how you interact both with your clients, with each other. It's communication skills. People prefer emotional intelligence skills today. <laughs> Nobody likes soft skills. So whatever, rename it a thousand times. I don't know. It's all about how we talk to each other. And that is a skill to have win-win language, to command language from a win-win perspective when you're working with humans is imperative to success, happiness, as well as prosperity. And that's a skill. You got to get the training. You got to think about it. You got to be aware of it as a skill. And so we can talk about what win-win is and do a little role-playing if you want, Chris. So what other critical skills do you think are needed outside of these communication skills or these soft skills, which we'll get into in a bit for more leaders today? For leaders, there's many different functions, right? We've got offense, we've got defense, we've got GRC. It depends on what people are overseeing and what they're working on at the time. The number one thing is to be able to understand what's the strategy that the company has in place such that you're able to support and minimize risk and raise security as much as possible. It starts there. It's that critical thinking. It's the ability to understand the need of the organization yourself as much as you, as fast as you can. And then the rest is what are you dealing with in terms of tools, and people, products, and everything else. And how do you go from where you're at? It's it's really about the strategy and being on the same page with the other leaders so that we can get things done. It seems to be that's why communication skills come into play is because it's, there's nothing necessary. It's not that there's nothing technical in that. We all must have a basic understanding of technology and how things speak to each other. And yet all of us are at different levels of how deep our tech does get down to I'm not writing code and some leaders are, right? That kind of a thing. So, yeah, I still, not still, I think they're combined in the same thing of how do you communicate your strategy and your program and why? And then how do you even get to having one by understanding what the company's needs are and what their strategy is in sales, right? It's all sales driven strategies, as we all know. And it is not, no business, no need for security. Yeah, yeah. This is much as, and that's what's so interesting about this field, this community, is at the end of the day, there's a social impact, and yet it's still a business. We're protecting society, and yet there's a business all around us. And so it is, it is interesting. As we think of some other skills, one example of them might be delegation. How do you rate yourself in delegation on a scale of one to five and why? Oh my goodness gracious, that's a good one. I probably would say. So I'm not a great delegator until I know the person has it. In fact, situational leadership is something I trained in and I love that program because it really teaches how do you interact with the people that work for you based on the task or the project, not the human and what level they're at or something? It's more about have they done this before? 
And so if I if I know they've done it and they've done well at it, I'll delegate. And I love delegation because it means I'm checking things off. I am checking it off. So I think I'm good at it. Where I think is tougher is getting that. Are they there? Not there? Am I staying in too long? We all can do that. And I think in general, I'm pretty good at it. There's a lot going on over here and I can't be doing it all. So I have to delegate. Delegate does take more time though. And I tell my people that all the time because you got to train somebody to take it. That's what I, that's what I was just talking about in terms of, are they ready? You got to know. You can just throw stuff over the fence and here's delegation. That's not delegation. And potentially in collaboration with delegation, collaboration. How do you rate yourself on the scale of one to five and why? Take a lot of pride in delegation. I'm a big Zoom user, everybody together, we're talking, we are collaborating. I So I miss the days, like I said, of paper, because that also means the whiteboards and sitting in rooms and just thinking of things and coming up. I love that. I have to. I'm not technical from the perspective of what you would think technical is. And yet I'm the CEO of a technology company. I have a cyber team. I have a product team. I have an IT team. And there is no way those folks would want to work for me and with me if I wasn't a good collaborator. And so collaboration is about asking good questions and listening and having ideas all in one. And then being able to really think about other people's thoughts and ideas and want to think about them and want to hear what they have to say. So for me, like, I I can't wait to hear what they say because I need what they have to say. And I think they feel the same way because they're not on the sales side, right? And they know that's taken care of, but also collaborate with it. It's a big piece of who we are and we meet regularly. I love that. It's critical. It's not even an option to run something and not be collaborative as far as I'm concerned. Unless you're up like me, you're working at some company that like has so many people, it doesn't matter anymore. No way, Jose, building things. So you mentioned communication several times. How would you rate yourself in communication on a scale of one to five and why? Very high. I win awards for it often. Number five, I give talks on it, so I better be good. Number five, again, coming up in sales, we were paid to speak. And that meant you better turn no's into yeses. And you really can't do that with integrity unless you learn how to communicate and figure out people's problems so that you can solve them and really solve them. And if you solve them, of course, you'll make money. And that was what I was trained on. And it was really sophisticated. And and so I've been focused on it since I was young. That being said, my family will tell you that I've been selling and talking and wheeling and dealing things since I was a kid. I was number seven. I could do whatever I want. I was basically 21 at 11. I've been mature young too. That helps to be a good communicator is maturity too. So it's the whole reason I have my career is communication skills. You mentioned turning those no's into yeses. Many might consider that as an influence skill. How right. important is influence in this industry? And why? It's very uh, important. It's funny. I call it sales and nobody likes the word sales. That's so funny. It's so funny. I love it. It's extremely important. As humans, we naturally like to say no more than we like to say yes, it seems. And especially when you're talking about technologists. And so there's a lot of just how some people react. It's a no first and they need to have some time to think through 
what's being talked about and the no isn't like a no it's not like we talk about between other humans don't touch somebody if they tell you not to touch them that's a that's a no that's pretty much the only no's that really exist right yeah exactly other than that it's when it's business it's like people trying to figure things out in my opinion and yet the no's that i were dealing with is i'm working with other people I'm not going to work with you. So, no, don't hang up that phone. I want in. And how do you do that? We're not, certainly not convincing people to do crazy things. In business, in meetings, asking for things in general, I can tell you this. There's something called the three-time rule, which is if you ask for something and you don't get it, you've got to ask for it two more times. Not the exact same way like a little two-year-old. Be creative and come at it differently, but you got to do it three times in that one conversation or the other human just there. It's just the way that humans work. It just doesn't pick up as you're serious or you're that committed to that, to getting a yes or getting what you need. And so we were trained on what was called the three time rule and trained on you're never going to get it the first time. And if you do, you better be like, why? Why is it so easy to work with you? Why don't we have to call human resources? Why the heck are you going to run a business? We've been ready to talk three times about why they should work with us in a different way. So I think that would behoove all of us to not take for granted that just because we say something one way, it lands the, the way that we want it to land. Whereas landing messages across different types of people's experiences and backgrounds, it's really needs to it's not going to be this one on one time thing. You got to really stay in the conversation if you mean it. That's why communication is so important because it's less about what you think you said, but what the receiver really receives. That's why the three no's I came up in sales as well is it, so critical is because maybe the first time you didn't say it the right way or you didn't include all the critical information for them to make that decision. And that's why it was important for them to hear it or to say no three times. One, one of the other things that we do a lot, especially as the industry has grown national and international, is network a lot. What's networking to you and why is it so important? Oh my gosh, it's so important. One, we spend so much time working that it's, we got to make it fun. We spend more time working than anything. So for me, networking is some of the funnest times because I'm standing, I'm not sitting, I'm not in my office, I'm not on a schedule to be in a meeting in 15 minutes I get to prepare for. I'm a bit more relaxed and it's more enjoy, not that I'm not enjoying other, but it's just more relaxed state and yet still doing business. And, and so it's really about fun as well as it's all about who you know. Like that saying, I wish I had known that it was so true because I would have done more networking sooner. Here we all are tied to phones and videos and to know each other and conferences and networking outside the office is a great way to do that. Nowadays, so is digital. You can digital network. I prefer to get out, but I just, I digital network too. I'm also the founder of Secure Diversity. I should have said that before. And we host the Dave Security event and that's digital network. Oh, and it's wonderful to experience the networking that I experienced there. And until then, I hadn't experienced digital networking. So it can be done, too. Yeah, definitely. I've joined several different events where they are able to create a platform where you have a digital-like networking feel. You can go to different tables. You can go to different rooms. 
and have that interaction with people. Last and final question, what would you, what advice would you give to future cybersecurity leaders? I would, I would say pick the people. The people that we work with are critical to our happiness. And so pick people that you can communicate well with, that you're feel comfortable with, that you believe really also care about people. Because at the end of the day, nothing's done alone. It's all about the team and who you're working for is just as important as the people working for you. And so it really has to be a good fit. And then I'd say, make damn sure you have control of your own recruiting budgets. <laughs> because if you're going to wait for HR, it ain't happening. I, I talk about developing your talent pipeline and developing it early. And if you can do that, you might not even need much of a recruiting budget because people are coming to you. But that being said, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. I really appreciate your time. Oh, and to that note, anybody can build free job descriptions in our on our platform and you can post them for free for a free trial these last six months. So tell your recruiters, use them yourself. I want to help out everybody and I don't want the service of recruiting. I want the service of matching. So <laughs> feel free to use our freemium. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was good seeing you, Chris. Good seeing you. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.